This is Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 113, The Power Shift, Transforming from Victim to Agent. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. How are you doing this beautiful, beautiful day? I have wanted to do this podcast episode for a while because I think it's an important topic to discuss, but it is a sensitive one. I know because over the years I've had many discussions with clients and we've done a lot of work on it together. And I know initially when we start working on it or I bring it up or we start talking about it, it is met with defensiveness. But then once I share and once they see that the goal is empowerment, then we are usually able to make some really good progress. But I know it's sensitive. So many people might disagree with me and that obviously is totally okay. I'm sharing as always my perspective. It's one of many. I'm not saying it's the right one or the only one. I always just share what I've learned because that's what's worked well with me and what's worked well with my clients. I want to talk about an approach that we take in our life, what mode we are in, and essentially how we face things from the perspective of being a victim or an agent. And I debated over what word to call it because there are so many words to describe the opposite of victim. So agent or creator or hero, or then even you can go the direction of villain. I think I'll be doing a few more episodes about victim mentality because there's a lot to explore and the subtle differences between each role can be unpacked. But for this episode, I've settled on using the role and term of agent, although I'll likely use all the terms because there is enough overlap. So essentially the question is, are we at the mercy of our circumstances? What happens to us? Or are we creators of the results in our life? So do we take action in our life or are we acted upon? Do we float down wherever the river takes us or are we steering the ship? Are we able to manipulate or change our circumstances or interpret, shape, or create stories that serve us? So let's first explore what a victim means and what I mean when I say victim. So In today's episode, I'm going to generally be referring to your mentality, the mode that you function in. So you are just human, and we want to make sure that we always separate that you are not your thoughts, you're not your feelings, you're not your attitudes, you're not your actions. You are a human who has thoughts, feelings, mindsets, actions, etc. So I'm generally referring to the victim mentality that you might have. So this is a story that you tell. But I will also refer to you as being an actual victim because I do believe there are some true victims, like the victim of an assault or a crime or an accident. This is not the story that you tell yourself, but this is fact. So you know how I usually divide up when we talk about the model, facts and circumstance are very separate from story or thoughts. So you can be the actual victim, which is kind of like the fact or circumstance, or you could have a victim mentality, which is the story or thoughts. 
And I do want to be clear about this distinction because it's an important one. Things can happen to you in life. So it could be you're going through some natural unfortunate event. Perhaps you're the victim of a hurricane that destroys your home, or you're the victim of an illness or a random unexplainable accident. Now, you can also be the victim of something that somebody else does. Maybe somebody caused an accident that you were in, or there's a shooting, or you were the victim to abuse or infidelity, or perhaps you're the victim of systemic racism. So in these situations, You are the victim, like the capital V victim, the circumstance victim. And along with being the victim, there are a whole slew of emotions, anger, hurt, betrayal, and all these emotions do need to be processed. So I'm not going to try to gaslight you in saying that you're never a victim and it's all in your thoughts, so just change your thoughts. However, what I do offer to many of my clients is that being the capital V victim may be true and factual. It usually does not serve you to focus on it for long term. I often offer that there's a time when you will likely feel you want to transition from being a victim to a survivor. And nobody can force you to take that transition. However, I always plant the seed that it is possible because to me, that is empowering. When you are a victim, you are put in the position of being powerless, which is a very tough place to live from. So when you're ready, there is often a shift that can happen, and the shift can start with your mindset, which is what we're going to dive in today. But I just really wanted to make sure that you know that your pain is real if you have been suffering based on a capital V victim incident, like I referred to earlier. What happened to you is real. But we want to look at whether it continues to serve you if you stay focused on it. So today I really am going to focus on victim mentality, your thoughts about something. And maybe it is your thoughts about being that true capital V victim, or maybe it's your thoughts about something that others would not classify under the big V victim. Either way, I'm not trying to assign a permanent label to you either. It's merely the mentality that you are taking on. It's the role that you are taking on. It's like the outfit that you're deciding to wear. We'll talk a little bit more about this idea of a role. First, though, what is victim mentality? Well, the victim mentality rests on three key beliefs. Bad things happen and will keep happening. Other people or circumstances are to blame. And any efforts to create change will fail, so there's really no point in trying. Now, I touched on this a few minutes ago, but I do want to go a little bit deeper where I divide what happens to us in life into three different scenarios. One, things that we do or cause or bring upon ourselves, maybe by poor choices or decisions or even, even deliberate, or maybe it's just through ignorance. The second is things that somebody else cause. And then third is there are just natural things that happen, natural laws, rules, ways of mortality, things just happen. Now, I think it's clear that when number two or three happen, we are those true capital V victims, as I said earlier. So if things were caused to us by something external, like another person, natural disaster, so it's real, it happened, we didn't cause it, we didn't ask for it, we are innocent bystanders, and bam, we're a victim. 
But for the first one, I think it can also be argued that at times we are victims like capital V victim because maybe we're victims of our upbringing or genetics or past trauma or immaturity. We sometimes self-sabotage or unknowingly do things that have some consequences. So as you can see, it's very real that you can be a victim and you will likely be a victim at some point in your life. And being that victim will cause some clean pain. You can go back and listen to my episode number 76 on clean and dirty pain. So clean pain, meaning there may be grief and sadness and anger and shock and despair and all sorts of emotions that you feel due to what has happened to you, regardless of the cause, even if you brought it on yourself, quote unquote. So there's clean pain and it's okay and necessary to allow it, process it, mourn, grieve, whatever you need to do because you're a human and as a human, you will experience clean pain. But then what? The challenge with being a victim, whether you're truly a victim or you engage in victim mentality, is if you stay in this role, you hand over your power to the external, like I mentioned earlier. So before I continue, I do want to talk a little bit about the difference between roles and identity. Because as I said earlier, when you stay in the role of being a victim, and I deliberately think and say that it's being in a role, because I do believe that it's a learned thing, and it's not who you are at the very core when you have a victim mentality. So an identity I define as being a collection of thoughts about who you are, your values, your beliefs. It's your self-view. It's a core of who you are. It defines your self-concept and what you think of you. Versus a role is something that's external. It's what you do, how you behave. It's outward. It's how others see you. It defines your relationship and position in a relationship. Now, you can step into a role or step out of a role, and you can play many different roles, but roles can change and be taken away as well. So identity is internal, your core, and it really cannot be taken away. But a role is external. It's what you do, and it can be taken away. Now, often people interchange it. If you ask someone who they are, they often respond with listing a bunch of roles. And many people, if they lose their role, it can often threaten their identity because the two are kind of mixed together for them. But I do want to offer being a victim, having a victim mindset is a role that you play. You can step into the victim role and you can step out of it. You are not a victim at your core. It's not a characteristic or a character flaw or a sign of weakness or intelligence or strength. It is a habit. It is a role we have taken on. It is the outfit that we put on, often unknowingly, every day. So let's look at what having a victim mentality can look like in your everyday life. What does it look like to have this victim mindset? Well, some hallmarks would include you blame others for the way your life is. You think life is out to get you. So you're often found asking, why me? As if it's personal. You see other people as having an easier life. They don't get hit with the challenges that you do. You often feel powerless and often have trouble coping with your problems. You may feel stuck in life and approach things with a negative attitude. You are often quite negative all around. You can often feel attacked when somebody tries to offer helpful feedback. You can get pretty defensive. 
And you may not even realize this, but you do get something out of feeling bad for yourself. It often can give you some sense of relief, or it can actually even feel comforting. This I know is a hard one for people to understand, and lots of people will push back on it, but it's usually the case that we are getting something out of what we are doing and the roles that we are taking. You may also end up attracting people who blame others and complain about their life because misery likes company and you find these people. You feel better when you are with these people. You can all agree on the same misery. And it can also be difficult for you to examine yourself and make changes. Again, so that's that defensiveness. Now, when I break it all down, I see being a victim as being very specifically linked to that model that I always talk about. And you can go back to episode number eight, the equation of life. And there's a link in the show notes to a download of it if you wanted to download it to just really see it visually. But in the model, there is a circumstance in your life that is the fact. And I heard someone else call it, it's a thing that you can say in your life, it is what it is. So it could be an injury, a diagnosis, another person, a partner, a child, a parent, a boss. Now, it could be your past, but it is that thing that you pretty much have very little control over. It just is. Most people believe that this circumstance is what causes them to feel how they feel. So they kind of have this mentality of if what's happening in your life is good, then you are good. And if what's happening in your life is bad, then you are bad. And most of us are even taught this. We're trained for this. So we try to change as many circumstances as we can to get what we want so we can feel good. And I'm actually not against changing circumstances to try to make life easier. I've talked before about how if I'm traveling somewhere, obviously I try to buy the most direct flight. I don't ask for a flight that has 10 connections, short ones, leaves early hours, or takes 32 hours to get there. Always going to try to buy the most direct route with the best timing. And if direct is not available, then we try for like one stopover. So we do try to change and control the circumstance. And changing the circumstance can work well at times and will continue to work well at times. Many people have successfully been able to control their circumstance their whole life. They may make decisions and changes regarding their education, their jobs, their potential partners. When their kids are young, they may have success controlling their kids. So controlling the circumstances, I will admit, it can be successful. But what happens is there are many circumstances that most of us will encounter that we won't be able to control. For example, a disability, an injury, an illness, race, privilege, the past, the family, the culture that you're born into. If you are born into certain circumstances, you're not going to be able to change those. Or maybe you've been able to control many things and have had great success, but then a circumstance does come along that can't easily be changed. So you do get into an accident, you're diagnosed with a disease, your partner wants a divorce, there's a death of a loved one, or even something basic like your child grows up and is no longer as agreeable to do what you want them to do. They decide to lead a different life than you wanted them to lead. So You will become confronted with challenges. If you believe that your circumstance creates your feelings, then you will end up being at the mercy of whatever your circumstance is. Again, if you think the circumstance is good, then you'll feel good. But if the circumstance is bad, then you're probably going to feel bad. You end up having no power. You hand over all your power to your external world. 
And again, I also want to mention here, even sometimes if we can't control our circumstance, we sometimes have the power to influence our circumstance. And I will encourage you to do that as well. We can try to change our eating habits, take medication, exercise, sleep, get therapy to influence our health. We can make requests of other people. We can explain our reasoning to impact our partners, our children, our boss. And do not underestimate the power of our influence. But again, what if we can't influence people or things to our satisfaction? Where does that leave us? Still not in our control. So that's why if we go back to this model, what is in between the circumstance and our feeling? Well, Viktor Frankl's famous quote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So that space, I teach according to the model, we get to choose our response by choosing our thoughts which then creates our feelings, our actions, and our results. So the circumstance does not produce our feelings. And how do we know this? Well, we know this because millions of people have the same or similar circumstance and have different feelings, actions, and results. Because between the circumstance and the feeling lies the thought. Now, in addition to this model, I also teach that our nervous system has a huge role. Our brain is constantly scanning for safety and danger. It doesn't know the difference between actual danger and perceived danger. So our nervous system responds unconsciously, and whatever state we are in will drive the stories that we tell. And I shared more about this on episode 110 called The Zone of Resilience, and I'm going to be sharing a lot more about it in upcoming episodes, so stay tuned. But I just want to mention here, our nervous system is involved in what thoughts come up, which is why it is so important for us to be regulated because our state of regulation or dysregulation influences our thoughts. But even though your state influences your thoughts, your thoughts are always optional. Now, granted, maybe your first thought can be considered not optional because it's unconsciously formed by the unconscious reaction of your nervous system. But your next thought is always optional. You can become the agent of your thoughts, and that is great news. So let's talk about what I mean by agent. Well, it is one who acts or has the power to act. So we get to take control. We get to change and adapt all our thoughts. We own our thoughts. We do not own our circumstances. So think of it this way. You own the home you live in but you do not own the home next door. So where do you want to invest your time and energy? Do you want to spend time taking care of your yard or your neighbor's yard? Do you want to do renovations in your home or your neighbor's home? What role and identity do you want to choose? Do you want to be victim to your circumstances or agent to your thoughts? Now, depending on what you decide will change your model. So your feelings, your actions, your results every single time. And when I lay it out like this for most of my clients, not too many people say that they want to stay in this victim mode. Most of them say that they want to be in agent mode. And yet they often remain victim. And I've seen it in myself as well. We all do this. As humans, we have a tendency towards this. 
So if you notice this about yourself, no shame. I'm right there with you in human world. I've spent my fair share of time wearing victim outfit and I put it on even now. Even when I teach and coach in this, I'm sometimes wearing the victim outfit because I am also on my own human journey. But we just want to build awareness about it so we can do something different. Let's explore why are we motivated sometimes to stay in victim mode? Why do we sometimes like to put that victim outfit on and keep it on? Now I'm going to share with you some reasons. They're in no particular order. They're just some thoughts that I have, and they may not all apply to everyone in victim mode. So if everything doesn't resonate, that's okay. There are likely other reasons too that I won't list and many reasons that are subconscious reasons that you and I might not even be aware of. But let's try some out. All right, why do we stay in victim mode? Well, we don't understand that there's another option. Sometimes we don't even understand that we are in victim mode until somebody points it out and shows us that actually, did you know you can be in agent mode? So awareness is sometimes even enough to spring somebody into another mode. They had no idea they were stuck in victim mode. And I think that's often the role of a coach. Now, I had a fellow coach share with me that her clients had said that she was being too positive. They felt that she didn't understand what they had been going through because I guess she was trying to empower them and they just were not ready. But as a coach, it actually is her job to help build the awareness. Now, maybe they're not ready to hear that there is another way. But I did offer to her that it's a disservice to them if she just wallows in it with them. Now, it's good to wallow for a time, and maybe they're not ready to move forward. But the awareness that maybe, just maybe, there is another way of looking at something, no matter what the circumstance is, that there are always many, many perspectives, sometimes just that awareness, opening your mind up to that awareness can be really helpful. Now, a second reason that some people can get out of being in victim mode is what we call secondary gains. Now, you may not be consciously aware that you're staying in victim mode for secondary gains, but it is common. So things like people paying attention to you or giving you sympathy, it can actually stroke your ego, so it feels good. Sometimes we'll feel more important. Sometimes we'll feel like we have more worth or it will give us validation, or other people will give us validations. We may actually feel entitled to this sympathy. We may feel that everybody should feel sorry for us. So watch out for those secondary gains. Now next, it can just be plain hard to take responsibility. It is easier to blame. When you are in victim mode, it's kind of like you're always putting the blame elsewhere. Often, it can feel like it's easier to deal with pain and loss when it is for sure not our fault and blame is elsewhere. So that's why some people keep their victim outfit on. Now, it can also be good excuse for indulgence. It's our permission for us to indulge or even to violate our own integrity. I deserve this or deserve that. It's owed to me. I deserve another helping. I deserve another drink. I deserve to be spoiled. I deserve to feel love. I deserve this affair. I deserve this shopping spree, this indulgence. So that can be another way, another reason why we keep our victim outfit on. Now, the next reason is it can just be learned because we actually often celebrate it in society. 
And this kind of comes back to getting something out of it, being in that secondary gain position. The next one is it also, as much as it's learned from society, it can be a learned personality trait, a habit, a belief pattern that we have, and then we just get stuck in it. So it's really kind of hard to get your head around the idea that your circumstances do not create your feelings. And so it can be really easy to stay stuck in this victim mentality. Another reason is we may actually feel morally justified. We may feel vindicated. We can get some relief when we share with other people, especially if others agree. So we stick with being a victim because we feel justified. Now, another reason is we may feel that other people have life easier. We believe that their circumstances are easier circumstances. We can get defensive even if somebody suggests that that's not the case. We think that we are all unique, which we are. But we sometimes look and think, well, if other people aren't struggling like I'm struggling, then it must be that their situation is easier. And of course, we know that that is not the case. We all have our own adversities that we face. Now, another way is we have a natural tendency to compare ourselves and our negativity bias is very strong. Often victims will complain a lot. They look for And of course, what you look for, you will find. So they will find negative intentions. They will find negativity that supports their justification of being in that victim mode. And lastly, we may be suffering from low self-esteem. We may feel inadequate. And that is often due to negative self-talk that we have. We may feel hopeless and helpless, and that just reinforces us being a victim. And this kind of ties back to when we talk about the different zones that we are in. If you go back to that episode on zone of resilience, being in victim mentality means we are living in that hypo-aroused zone, that zone where we feel helpless and hopeless. And remember, when we're in a certain zone, a certain state, that will shape and drive all our thoughts and feelings. So it can be reinforced when we're down at that level that we are a victim. So those are just some of the reasons I think we get stuck in victim mentality. And if you recognize yourself in some of these, well, welcome to be human. I do too. As I said, we all struggle with this at certain times in our lives. It's totally normal. But I will offer that these are not great reasons to hang on to victim mentality, to keep that outfit on. We actually want to cash in on many of these secondary gains and really just surrender and focus on being an agent. You truly cannot have quality of life if you are in victim mode. So what can we do? Well, the main thing we can do is become an agent. We can take our power back and start to own our feelings. I am going to give you six ways that you can start taking back your power and becoming an agent. The first thing is we want to increase that space that Viktor Frankl talked about in the quote that I said earlier. Between stimulus and response, there is a space because that space is our power to choose. So we need to regulate ourselves so we can be in a good state, so we can get in that zone of resilience. And once we're in that zone of resilience, then the stories that we tell will serve us better and they will create feelings, actions, and results. So the first thing we need to do 
is we need to learn how to regulate ourselves to get in that zone and widen that space. The second thing we can do is you want to own all your thoughts and emotions and ask yourself, how are my thoughts creating feelings that feel good? And how are my thoughts creating feelings that are unpleasant? And you may want to go back and do some models. Look, put it into that equation. Practice playing with your thoughts to see how they do impact and create your feelings. Now, the third thing is you actually want to work on allowing emotions that are often considered quote unquote negative. You can handle every single emotion that you can feel. Feelings are just neurochemicals coursing through your body. You can handle them, but learning how to process your emotions can also be helpful. I've also put a link to a download on a healthy way to process emotions that you can look at. The fourth thing you can do to work on becoming an agent is to work on your relationship with you. And again, I have multiple podcasts where I've talked about these things. I've talked about dealing with your inner critic, which I called dealing with the mean girls, self-confidence, self-compassion, self-validation, and even celebrating you. Because you want to increase your self-confidence, your self-compassion, your ability to self-validate, and your ability to celebrate you. So working on getting to know you, believing in you, accepting you, this will help you gain strength to take 100% responsibility. And there's also a podcast about taking 100% responsibility that might be helpful to go back to as well. Now, the fifth thing that you might consider when you're in victim mode is when you're in victim mode, that automatically means that there is a villain. So you might be wanting to ask, who is the villain? Who or what are you villainizing? And do you want them to have all that power? So just ask yourself, who's the villain in this situation? Sometimes we take on the role of being the victim and we never actually consider who the villain is. So ask yourself, who are you villainizing in order for you to be the victim? Now, lastly, the speech pathologist in me has to remind you to watch your language are you engaging in what is called victim speak? And victim speak sounds like, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. And victim mode also asks like, why me? It's not fair. Why me? And then the two together, I can't do whatever is happening to me. So victim speak is actually surrounded by scarcity. There's not enough. There's no time. There's no space. There are not enough resources. Victim speak also throws around a lot of blame and excuses. It's because of this or because of that, or they did this, they did that. Victim speak is where someone is waiting to be rescued. And once this happens, they assume that something will change. Victim speak also is filled with hopelessness and helplessness. What can I do? There's nothing more I can do. There's nothing we can do. We're stuck. There's no point. It's up to them. I tried. I did my part, but they don't do their part. I'm stuck because of them. Now, remember, the reason your language is so powerful is because it really is your thoughts. Your thoughts in your head or spoken out loud. And we know that your thoughts create your feelings. So watch your language. You do have the ability to choose. Do you want to be a victim of your circumstances or an agent of your thoughts? 
which gives you more power over your feelings, actions, and results. It really is your choice. I hope you found this episode helpful. I have so much more to say, so many more ideas and frameworks that I'll be dripping them out to you over the next few months. I really find that talking about being a victim, having this mentality is really difficult for many because it sends many of us into clear protection mode, like getting very defensive. Your nervous system almost always has a reaction. So regulate. And I know that as we continue to talk about it, your brain opens up to the idea, your nervous system realizes you're safe and it doesn't need to go into protective mode. That's when you can make the shift. Believe it or not, it can be very hard to let go of that victim outfit. It sometimes is like that favorite pair of jeans. Like you need to spend some time finding a new pair that fits well, and that will take time. But I'm here with you. Becoming more resilient is all about empowerment. To acknowledge the capital V victim and then to become an agent. To acknowledge your victim mentality and then become an agent. You can do this. You're not a victim. You are actually the hero in your own story, truly. And you might want a guide. And I would love to be your guide. I've guided many people through this process, including myself. So reach out, schedule a call, and I will show you the path. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.